Get to Old Navy now because this week only there's a new red hot deal every single day. Plus up to 50% off store wide. That's up to 50% off your favorite Old Navy styles. Also get $10 off your next purchase when you buy online and pick up in store. So hurry in and get today's wow worthy fashion pieces at a price you won't believe. Only at Old Navy. Valid 712 to 19. Select styles only. $10 off valid in store only. One time use. Excludes clearance, gift card, register lane items, jewelry. Hey ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Think It Ain't Illegal Yet. I'm your host, St. Clinton. On this show, we'll be playing some poetry, spoken words. And other things about political and social issues going on around the world, both past, present, and future, which will hopefully make you think. All we say to America is be true to what you're saying on paper. lived in China or even Russia or any totalitarian country, maybe I could understand some of these illegal injunctions. Maybe I could understand the denial of certain basic First Amendment privileges because they haven't committed themselves to that over there. But somewhere I read of the freedom of assembly. Somewhere I read of the freedom of speech. Somewhere I read of the freedom of press. Somewhere I read that the greatness of America is the right to protest for rights. And so then I say we aren't going to let any dogs or water hoses turn us around. through the ages it reflects on the bad but it's good for all ages our world's now corrupt people choose not to see they cover their eyes and it's i no longer we people's pens are like swords lies act as a shield not knowing the true power of the weapons they wield as hatred hurts love heals but if we say love in vain then it's no longer real we need to be true to our hearts and to others For if this is the bed we made, then we don't deserve covers. We lust and call each other lovers, not knowing the word, or at least its true meaning, so it sounds so absurd. But while we observe all our deeds, good and bad, we must both cry and laugh about the lives that we had. For without pain, joy would not taste as sweet. We both help and compete, just trying to feel complete. Though there's always that void, no, there's always that voice. As you act is your conscience, and you make each choice. 
Just drown out the noise with no liquid involved as you find the answer and you make the call. The darkness is deep but the light is far greater. You make the difference between a giver and a taker. Don't mope, only cope and know that there's always hope. And don't look to those who look at love as a hoax. We all start life never knowing its end. But remember what Bob Marley said. Love is the only force that can turn an enemy into a friend. Trump's 1984 Patriot. The Patriot Citizens for Religious Freedom Act. Up is down, left is right, right is wrong, and the egg is cracked. The Patriot Citizens for Religious Freedom Act. Down is up, right is left, wrong is right, and your brain is hacked. When they want to make a law to restrict your liberty, they'll name it just the opposite, something more warm and fuzzy. They think your liberty needs to be restrained so that you can be truly free. Doublethink starts working on your brain. Let's call that freedom foxity. When they want to make a law to invade your privacy, they'll name it quite the opposite. Something, oh, so yummy. They think your secrets need to be surveilled to keep your privacy unveiled. Doublethink is alive and well. Let's call that patriosity. Dear Mr. Orwell, may we call you George? It took a little longer, but it's 1984. When they want to make a law to impose their own belief, they'll call it something different, just like any common thief. Do you vote for wolves disguised in sheep's clothing because you think they eat the same thing you're loathing? That's doublethink, you see. They call it religiosity. When they want to pretend that they speak for you and me, they'll do that, oh, so surreptitiously. Do you think they have your happiness in mind? Do you really think your interests are aligned? That's when doublethink really shines. They call that Bourgeoisity. Dear Mr. Orwell, may we call you George? It took a little longer, but it's 1984. It's coming through a hole in the air from those nights in Tiananmen Square. It's coming from the feel that this ain't exactly real, or it's real, but it ain't exactly there. From the wars against disorder, from the sirens night and day, from the fires of the homeless, from the ashes of the gay, democracy is coming to the USA. It's coming through a crack in the wall, on a visionary flood of alcohol, from the staggering account of the Sermon on the Mount, which I don't pretend to understand at all. It's coming from the silence on the dock of the bay, from the brave, the bold, the battered heart of Chevrolet. Democracy is coming to the USA. It's coming from the sorrow in the street, the holy places where the races meet, from the homicidal bitchin' that goes down in every kitchen to determine who will serve and who will eat, from the wells of disappointment where the women kneel to pray for the grace of God in the desert here and the desert far away. Democracy is coming to the USA. Sail on. Sail on, O mighty ship of state, to the shores of need, past the reefs of greed, through the squills of hate. Sail on, sail on, sail on, sail on. It's coming to America first, the cradle of the best and of the worst. It's here they got the range and the machinery for change, and it's here they got the spiritual thirst. It's here the family's broken, 
and it's here the lonely say that the heart has got to open in a fundamental way. Democracy is coming to the USA. It's coming from the women and the men. Oh baby, we'll be making love again. We'll be going down so deep. The river's going to weep and the mountain's going to shout, Amen. It's coming like the tidal flood beneath a lunar sway, imperial, mysterious, and amorous array. Democracy is coming to the USA. Sail on, sail on. I'm sentimental if you know what I mean. I love the country, but I can't stand the scene. And I'm neither left or right. I'm just staying home tonight, getting lost in that hopeless little screen. But I'm stubborn at those garbage bags that time cannot decay. I'm junk, but I'm still holding up spirit this little wild that brought us here tonight. Democracy a is spirit of change to the USA. And hope and possibility. And there are few people in this country who embody that spirit more than our friend and our champion, Senator Edward Kennedy. He has spent his life in service to this country, not for the sake of glory or recognition, but because he cares deeply in his gut about the causes of justice and equality and opportunity. So many of us here have benefited in some way or another because of the battles he's waged, and some of us are here because of them. We know he's not well right now, but we also know that he's a fighter. And as he takes on this fight, let us lift his spirits tonight by letting Ted Kennedy know that we are thinking of him, that we are praying for him, that we are standing with him and Vicki, and that we will be fighting with him every step of the way. You know, 15 months ago, in the depths of winter, it was in this great state where we took the first steps of an unlikely journey to change America. The skeptics predicted we wouldn't get very far. The cynics dismissed us as a lot of hype and a little too much hope. And by the fall, the pundits in Washington had all but counted us out. But the people of Iowa had a different idea. From the very beginning, you knew that this journey wasn't about me or any of the other candidates in this race. It was about whether this country, at this defining moment, will continue down the same road that has failed us for so long, or whether we will seize this opportunity to take a different path, to forge a different future for this country that we love. That's the question that sent thousands upon thousands of you to high school gyms and VFW halls, to backyards and front porches, to steak fries and JJ dinners, where you spoke about what the future would look like. You spoke of an America where working families don't have to file for bankruptcy just because a child gets sick, where they don't lose their home because some predatory lender tricks them out of it where they don't have to sit on the sidelines of the global economy because they couldn't afford the cost of a college education. You spoke of an America where our parents and our grandparents don't spend their retirement in poverty because some CEO dumped their pension. An America where we don't just value wealth, but we value work and the workers who created the wealth. You spoke of an America where we don't send our sons and daughters on tour after tour of duty to a war that has cost us thousands of lives and hundreds of billions of dollars, but has not made us safer. You spoke of an America where we match the might of our military with the strength of our diplomacy and the power of our ideals. 
a nation that is still the beacon of all that is good and all that is possible for humankind. You spoke of a future where the politics we have in Washington finally reflects the values we hold as Americans, the values you live by here in Iowa, common sense and honesty, generosity and compassion, decency and responsibility. These values don't belong to one class or one region or even one party. They are the values that bind us together as one, as one country. That, that is the country, that's the country I saw in the faces of crowds that would stretch far into the horizon of our heartland. Faces of every color, of every age. Faces I see here tonight. Your Democrats, your Democrats who are tired of being divided, but you're also Republicans who no longer recognize the party that runs Washington, and independents who are hungry for change. You're the young people who've been inspired for the very first time. And those not-so-young folks who've been inspired for the first time in a long time. Your veterans and churchgoers, sportsmen and students, farmers and factory workers, teachers and business owners who have varied backgrounds and different traditions, but the same simple dreams for your children's future. Many of you have been disappointed by politics and politicians more times than you can count. You've seen promises broken, good ideas drowned in the sea of influence and point scoring and petty bickering that's consumed Washington. And you've been told over and over and over again to be cynical and doubtful and even fearful about the possibility that things can ever be different, can ever be better. And yet, in spite of all the doubt and disappointment, or perhaps because of it, you came out on a cold winter's night in January in numbers that this country has never seen, and you stood for change. You stood for change, and because you did, a few more stood up. And then a few thousand stood up. And then a few million stood up. And tonight, Iowa, in the fullness of spring, with the help of those who stood up from Portland to Louisville, we have returned to Iowa with a majority of delegates elected by the American people and you have put us within reach of the Democratic nomination for President of the United States of America. along the way. I've made some mistakes. But also it's partly because we've traveled this road with one of the most formidable candidates to ever run for this office. You know, in, in her 35 years of public service, Senator Hillary Rodham Clinton has never given up on her fight for the American people. And tonight I congratulate her on her victory in Kentucky. You know, we've, we've had our disagreements during this campaign, but we all admire her courage and her commitment and her perseverance. And no matter how this primary ends, Senator Clinton has shattered myths and broken barriers and changed the America in which my daughters and your daughters will come of age. And for that, we are grateful to her. Now, some, some may see the millions upon millions of votes cast for each of us 
as evidence that our party is divided. But I, I see it as proof that we have never been more energized and united in our desire to take this country in a new direction. More than anything, we need this unity and this energy in the months to come because while our primary has been long and hard fought, the hardest and most important part of our journey still lies ahead. We face an opponent, John McCain, who arrived in Washington nearly three decades ago as a Vietnam War hero and earned an admirable, admirable reputation for straight talk and occasional independence from his party. But this year's Republican primary was a contest to see which candidate could outbush the other. And that's a contest that John McCain won. The Bush tax cuts for the wealthiest 2% of Americans that once bothered John McCain's conscience are now his only economic policy. The Bush, the Bush health care plan that only helps those who are already healthy and wealthy is now John McCain's answer to the 47 million Americans without insurance and the millions more who can't pay their medical bills. The Bush-Iraq policy that asks everything from our troops and nothing of Iraqi politicians is John McCain's policy too. And so is the fear of tough and aggressive diplomacy that has left this country more isolated and less secure than at any time in recent history. The lobbyists who ruled George Bush's Washington are now running John McCain's campaign. And they actually had the nerve the other day to say that the American people won't care about this. Talk about out of touch. I think the American people care plenty about that. Now, I will leave it up to Senator McCain to explain to the American people whether his policies and positions represent long-held convictions or Washington calculations. But the one thing they don't represent is change. Change, change is a tax code that rewards work instead of wealth by cutting taxes for middle-class families and senior citizens and struggling homeowners a tax code that rewards businesses that create good jobs here in America instead of the corporations that ship them overseas. That's what change is. Change. Change is a health care change is a health care plan that guarantees insurance to every American who wants it that brings down premiums for every family who needs it, that stops insurance companies from discriminating and denying coverage to those who need it most. That's what change is. Change is an energy policy that doesn't rely on buddying up to the Saudi royal family and then begging them for oil. An energy policy. Change is an energy policy that puts a price on pollution and makes the oil companies invest their record profits in clean, renewable sources of energy that will create millions of new jobs and leave our children a safer planet. That's what changes, Iowa. Change is giving every child a world-class education by recruiting an army of new teachers with better pay and more support by promising four years of tuition to any American willing to serve their community and their country, by realizing that the best education starts with parents who turn off the TV and take away the video games and read to their children once in a while. That's what change is. Change is ending a war that we never should have started. Change is finishing a war against Al-Qaeda in Afghanistan that we never should have ignored. Change is facing the threats of 21st century, not with bluster or fear-mongering or tough talk or suspending due process, but with tough diplomacy 
and strong alliances and confidence in the ideals that have made this nation the last best hope on earth. That is the legacy of Roosevelt and Truman and Kennedy. That Iowa is what change is. That is the choice in this election. The same question that first led us to Iowa 15 months ago is the one that's brought us back here tonight. It's the one we will debate from Washington to Florida, from New Hampshire to New Mexico. The question of whether this country, at this moment, will keep doing what we've been doing for four more years, or whether we will take that different path. It's more of the same versus change. It's the past versus the future. It has been asked and answered by generations before us, and now it is our turn to choose. We will face our share of difficult and uncertain days in the journey ahead. The other side knows they have embraced yesterday's policies, so they will also embrace yesterday's tactics to try and change the subject. They'll play on our fears and our doubts. They'll try to sow discord and division to distract us from what matters to you and your future. Well, they can take the low road if they want, but it will not lead this country to a better place. It will not work in this election. It won't work because you will not let it work. Not this time, not this year. Hey, ladies and gentlemen, this is Sane Clinton. I just wanted to drop in real quick and say thank you for listening to this show. Whether you listen through iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, TuneIn, Google Plus, Player FM, or any other way, I just want to say thank you. Shades and shadows of pine and oak The magic hour for fairy folk Twilight twinkles cross leaf and brush Denizens of dusk now must rush When mortal man deserts our grove Magic creatures claim their trove Elves and fairies, sprites and trolls Appear from petals and hidden dark holes On summer solstice, mystic eve Fairy folk dance for those who believe a celebration of earth, wind, and sky by magical beings who walk and fly. My child awakens from her heavenly sleep, startled by the sounds of giggles and peeps. Her garden becomes filled with music and song, a chorus line of fairy folk dance all night long. Sprites and gnomes, elves and fairies, goblin imps so crooked and hairy. A garden show by magical folk, singing and dancing our hearts to evoke. Soft shoe, can-can, elves and tights, comedians, slapstick, variety nights, a chorus line of gremlins, pixies and trolls, an impish little Elvis who sings, rocks and rolls. Insect-like voices pierce the night air with country pop and jazzy fare, an orchestra of pixies in a garden pit, a firefly conductor who's somewhat lit. On a midsummer's eve, when the moon rides high, the fairies stage a play for my daughter's young eyes. From a curtain of fern on a stage of oak, sprites and elves act the story of the fairy folk. They sing about the plight of a nearsighted elf, a tiny gent who fell in love with himself. His reflection reflected in a lily pond, image of a being that made him very fond. Enamored of the sprite who lives in a pool, Eli the elf became the object of great ridicule. Sitting still for days, staring at his sight, goblins and pixies taunted him to great and evil delight. You blind and silly elf, your girlfriend does not love. Perhaps your little pixie hast another turtle dove. Go jump in the pond and end your distress. You'll never find happiness with this young princess. Eli brought flowers and candy to the pond, hoping against hope that his new lover would respond. But the image only stared from gentle water's waves. Eli's gifts so spurned by an elf that never seemed to crave. 
Tears of sorrow fell from Eli's face. How could another sprite ever take her place? Perhaps the pixies are speaking no lies. Perhaps their cruel words are in fact wise. A pretty little pixie by the name of Drew takes pity on Eli, who is now looking so blue. A pair of spectacles she fashions from glass in hopes that Eli's eyesight will be of higher class. Eli Elf's vision, now much improved, false notions of a girlfriend all but removed. The image of this lovely pixie who was so very kind, Eli and Drew now become romantically entwined. The play ends and the fairy folk bow, a round of applause and a chorus of wow. As dawn peers above the horizon of mist, the fairy folk exit from our gardenly mist. a dream. The words of the great Luther King is hard of believing for change. That was his dream. Was he led to be ever dreaming? His burning desire brought him to his awakening. His passion for a cause started within, then into actions of determination. Do you have a vision to achieve a goal worth reaching, to make something happen? Then start the work for the finishing. Nothing is achieved without effort. If you pray for something, play your part. If you wish for it, take the steps to take it. Believe it, then work for it. Dreams, either small or great, will take an uphill fight. Not to be endured by the swift, but for the one who can endure the test. Dreaming is just a thought, but acting on it is the start. Is your goal in sight? Then make the move for it. Hey guys, this is Jamar the Poet, expressing life through poetry. Trump's 1984 Patriot The Patriot Citizens for Religious Freedom Act Up is down, left is right, right is wrong, and the egg is cracked. The Patriot Citizens for Religious Freedom Act Down is up, right is left, wrong is right, and your brain is hacked. When they want to make a law to restrict your liberty, they'll name it just the opposite, something more warm and fuzzy. They think your liberty needs to be restrained so that you can be truly free. Doublethink starts working on your brain. Let's call that freedom foxity. When they want to make a law to invade your privacy, they'll name it quite the opposite. Something, oh, so yummy. They think your secrets need to be surveilled to keep your privacy unveiled. Doublethink is alive and well. Let's call that patriosity. Dear Mr. Orwell, may we call you George? It took a little longer, but it's 1984. When they want to make a law to impose their own belief, they'll call it something different, just like any common thief. Do you vote for wolves disguised in sheep's clothing because you think they eat the same thing you're loathing? That's doublethink, you see. They call it Religiosity. When they want to pretend that they speak for you and me, they'll do that, oh, so surreptitiously. Do you think they have your happiness in mind? Do you really think your interests are aligned? That's when doublethink really shines. They call that bourgeoisity. Dear Mr. Orwell, may we call you George? 
It took a little longer, but it's 1984. In 1965, the workers in the fields said, Basta, we're fed up with all of the exploitation. We're fed up with being the worst paid workers in America. We're fed up with being exploited. We want a new life. We want a union. We want to do something for ourselves and our families. And they went on strike. And everybody, everybody, all the experts throughout the country said that they were crazy because they couldn't win because the growers were very powerful and that the workers were very weak and they couldn't win. And we, it took us almost five years, 57 months, and we won the strike. And the day that the strike was won, it was like a new life for all of us. We won because you helped us and millions and millions of people throughout the United States stopped eating grapes, and we won. Compañeros, hermanos, nosotros les agradecemos muchísimo a ustedes su, su apoyo, pidemos sus oraciones, pidemos que no nos dejen solos ahorita en nuestra gran hora de necesidad. Por favor, no coman las lechugas, no coman la uva, y no tomen los vinos de gallo. Y si ustedes hacen eso, si ustedes hacen eso con la vida de ustedes, Con la ayuda de Dios, con la ayuda de la Virgen de Guadalupe, les vamos a ganar a estos condenados. Muchas gracias. Soul to try. 
kill your creative urge to try to stop you from being whole push push through I don't know I don't know I don't know don't know what it is they're trying to tell me what it is they're trying to make me what it is they're trying to force me to be like them so blind to be so greedy to hate mankind to kill my brother to kill my sister to kill my idea of who I am to kill my freedom haven, Shangri-La for sure. Roses danced in a summer's breeze, spruce stood guard over parading bumblebees. Alas, time has eroded our garden shore, infirmed and immobile, Papa's flowering no more. His son must now maintain the hedges, but a green thumb is not always part of genetic pledges. Where once stood flowers, shrubs and trees, now rows of makeshift crosses sway in the breeze. Roses, zinnias, glad and moss, all lie rotting, decayed, and lost. Faded flowers crying in the sun, a son's neglect, not much fun. Thirsty leaves wilt, praying for rain, a lack of caring from a son with little brain. The boy decides to grow some goth, bug-eating plants, carnivorous broth. Now, rows of flytraps smile with glee, the sun imports rare foreign fleas. Shriveled shrubs that new earthly delight now shake with fear at unholy sight. Limbs and loins from insects devoured litter the ground that now looks soured. Wafting scent of garden pure replaced by danky dung-filled moor. Colors bright, alive and gay, now the hue of carcass clay. Insects enter with child delight, seeking pretty blossoms bright, pure intent to suck the nectar, but witness they a dreadful specter. For this garden hath become pure hell for winged creatures in this dell. Bugs of size and shape so varied are now to Satan's beasts so married. Trapped by leg and insect arm, fly traps exert their damaged charm. Pitchers drown their buggy prey, sundews show their sticky way. Body of ant, mosquito, and fly, testament to hunger that never dies. More and more the flesh ears feed, mad rage to meet their meat-eating needs. And as the summer solstice pass, the flesh beasts gain unholy mass. Void by size and number and shape, upon large prey the traps now gape. Soon insects no longer satisfy their hunger. The carnivores wait for prey in number. Cats and dogs, rats and mice, no longer are insects all that nice. By summer's end the worm does turn, for the feeding beasts gain a new yearn. 
plants that once knew critters fresh develop a taste for human flesh. The sun, he frets his time is near. The monsters smell his sweat and fear. As autumn wanes, he cowers neath tree. But fleshers know he'll never go free. From winter's wet carpet, a lone marigold peers, saddened by loss of her flowery dears. But before she sleeps neath her wintry tomb, she smiles, knowing young gardener has met his doom. A hand appears from out of the snow. The sun has met with ungodly woe. The fly traps have had their last hearty feast, but they have consumed the human beast. We shall overcome. Deep in my heart, I do believe we shall overcome. Though I join hands so often with students and others behind jail bars singing it, we shall overcome. Sometimes we've had tears in our eyes when we joined together to sing it, but we still decided to sing it. We shall overcome. Oh, before this victory's won, some will have to get thrown in jail some more, but we shall overcome. Don't worry about us. Before the victory's won, some of us will lose jobs, but we shall overcome. Before the victory's won, even some will have to face physical death. Physical death is the price that some must pay to free their children from a permanent psychological death. Then nothing shall be more redemptive. We shall overcome. Before the victory's won, some would be misunderstood and called bad names and dismissed as rabble-rousers and agitators. But we shall overcome. And I'll tell you why. We shall overcome because the arc of the moral universe is long, but it bends toward justice. We shall overcome because Carlisle is right. No lie can live forever. We shall overcome because William Cullen Bryant is right. Truth crushed the earth will rise again. We shall overcome because James Russell Lowell is right. Truth forever on the scaffold, wrong forever on the throne. Yet that scaffold sways the future. Behind the dim unknown standeth God within the shadow, keeping watch above his own. We shall overcome because the Bible is right. You we shall overcome deep in my heart. I do believe we shall overcome. And with this faith, we will go out and adjourn the councils of despair and bring new light into the dark chambers of pessimism. And we will be able to rise from the fatigue of despair to the buoyancy of hope. And this will be a great America. We will be the participants in making it so. And so as I leave you this evening, I say, walk together, children. Don't you get weary. There's a great camp meeting. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm only going to talk to you just for a minute or so this evening because I have some very sad news for all of you. Could you lower those signs, please? I have some very sad news for all of you, and I think uh, sad news for all of our fellow citizens and people who love peace all over the world, and that is that Martin Luther King was shot and was killed tonight in Memphis, Tennessee. Martin Luther King dedicated his life to love and to justice 
between fellow human beings. He died in the cause of that effort. In this difficult day, in this difficult time for the United States, it's perhaps well to ask what kind of a nation we are and what direction we want to move in. For those of you who are black, considering the evidence evidently is that there were white people who were responsible, you can be filled with bitterness and with hatred and a desire for revenge. We can move in that direction as a country in greater polarization, black people amongst blacks and white amongst whites filled with hatred toward one another. Or we can make an effort, as Martin Luther King did, to understand and to comprehend and replace that violence, that stain of bloodshed that is spread across our land with an effort to understand compassion and love. For those of you who are black and are tempted to fill with, be filled with hatred and distrust of the injustice of such an act against all white people, I would only say that I can also feel in my own heart the same kind of feeling. I had a member of my family killed, but he was killed by a white man. But we have to make an effort in the United States. We have to make an effort to understand, to get beyond or go beyond these rather difficult times. My favorite poem, my, my favorite poet was Aeschylus. He once wrote, even in our sleep, pain which cannot forget falls drop by drop upon the heart until in our own de despair, against our will, comes wisdom through the awful grace of God. What we need in the United States is not division. What we need in the United States is not hatred. What we need in the United States is not violence and lawlessness, but is love and wisdom and compassion toward one another and a feeling of justice toward those who still suffer within our country, whether they be white or whether they be black. So I ask you tonight to return home to say a prayer for the family, Martin Luther King, yeah, that's true. But more importantly, to say a prayer for our own country, which all of us love. A prayer for understanding and that compassion of which I spoke. We can do well in this country. We will have difficult times. We've had difficult times in the past, but we will, and we will have difficult times in the future. It is not the end of violence. It is not the end of lawlessness. And it's not the end of disorder. But the vast majority of white people and the vast majority of black people in this country want to live together, want to improve the quality of our life, and want justice for all human beings that abide in our land. With and what dedicate ourselves to what the Greeks wrote so many years ago, to tame the savageness of man and make gentle the life of this world. Let us dedicate ourselves to that and say a prayer for our country and for our people. Thank you very much. Thank you very much, Gertrude Mangella.
for your dedicated work that has brought us to this point, distinguished delegates and guests. I would like to thank the Secretary General for inviting me to be part of this important United Nations Fourth World Conference on Women. This is truly a celebration, a celebration of the contributions women make in every aspect of life, in the home, on the job, in the community, as mothers, wives, sisters, daughters, learners, workers, citizens, and leaders. It is also a coming together, much the way women come together every day in every country. We come together in fields and factories, in village markets and supermarkets, in living rooms and board rooms. Whether it is while playing with our children in the park or washing clothes in a river, or taking a break at the office water cooler, we come together and talk about our aspirations and concerns. And time and again, our talk turns to our children and our families. However different we may appear, there is far more that unites us than divides us. We share a common future, and we are here to find common ground so that we may help bring new dignity and respect to women and girls all over the world, and in so doing, bring new strength and stability to families as well. By gathering in Beijing, we are focusing world attention on issues that matter most in our lives, the lives of women and their families, access to education, health care, jobs, and credit, the chance to enjoy basic legal and human rights, and to participate fully in the political life of our countries. There are some who question the reason for this conference. Let them listen to the voices of women in their homes, neighborhoods, and workplaces. There are some who wonder whether the lives of women and girls matter to economic and political progress around the globe. Let them look at the women gathered here and at Wairo, the homemakers and nurses, the teachers and lawyers, the policymakers, and women who run their own businesses. It is conferences like this that compel governments and peoples everywhere to listen, look, and face the world's most pressing problems. Wasn't it, after all, after the women's conference in Nairobi 10 years ago that the world focused for the first time on the crisis of domestic violence? Earlier today, I participated in a World Health Organization forum in that forum, we talked about ways that government officials, NGOs, and individual citizens are working to address the health problems of women and girls. Tomorrow, I will attend a gathering of the United Nations Development Fund for Women. There, the discussion will focus on local and highly successful programs that give hard-working women access to credit so they can improve their own lives and the lives of their families. What we are learning around the world is that if women are healthy and educated, their families will flourish. If women are free from violence, their families will flourish. If women have a chance to work and earn as full and equal partners in society, their families will flourish. And when families flourish, communities and nations do as well. That is why every woman, every man, every child, every family, and every nation on this planet does have a stake in the discussion that takes place here. Hey, ladies and gentlemen, this is St. Quentin, and we've come to the end of Think It Ain't Illegal. Yeah. We'll be back soon with a new episode. 
And hopefully, this episode has made you think and want to make a difference in this world. Now I'm going to turn on for the love of poetry and spoken word and think. I hired Michael Flynn. Get to Old Navy now because this week only there's a new red hot deal every single day. Plus up to 50% off store wide. That's up to 50% off your favorite Old Navy styles. Also get $10 off your next purchase when you buy online and pick up in store. So hurry in and get today's wow worthy fashion pieces at a price you won't believe. Only at Old Navy. Valid 712 to 19. Select styles only. $10 off valid in store only. One time use. Excludes clearance, gift card, register lane items, jewelry. Get to Old Navy now, because this week only, there's a new Red Hot deal every single day. Plus up to 50% off store-wide. That's up to 50% off your favorite Old Navy styles. Also get $10 off your next purchase when you buy online and pick up in-store. So hurry in and get today's wow-worthy fashion pieces at a price you won't believe. Only at Old Navy. Valid 712 to 19. Select styles only. $10 off valid in-store only. One-time use. Excludes clearance, gift card, register lane items, jewelry.